0: Alright, hi everybody, I'm Sabri Benishore from Marketplace, and I'm Tim Fernholtz from Quartz, and this is Actuality. My I'm
1: biggest going. weakness Your is biggest... me. I mean, lock me up already. I mean,
2: it's obvious. Put me in a cage, I'll be fine. Okay? You know, I'm my own worst enemy. But uh, what
0: can you do? I was born strange. <laughs> Strange is one word for it. That was Dove Charney, then the CEO of the clothing retailer American Apparel in an interview with Marketplace about a year ago. Now Charney is gone from his company and he is in court where this week he was accused of abusing employees and using company equipment to save footage of himself having sex with models and employees, which his attorneys deny. Today, we will hear from Charney's successor about how she's cleaning up the company, what the science says about asshole bosses, and why women keep getting stuck with turnaround jobs.
2: American Apparel is a U.S. clothing company. It makes all of its clothing in Los Angeles, and it is uh, an iconic brand for a certain person who grew up in the mid 80s It was cool in Brooklyn, and it was cool in L.A. And part of that cool was its advertising campaigns featuring scantily clad women in sexy poses. What would you call it, Sabri?
0: Slutty and porny and young, although I don't mean slutty and porny in bad ways, I'm just describing. And that was one of the problems with Dev Charney's tenure. He was the target of
2: multiple sexual harassment lawsuits, some connected to these photos, though he never lost one in court.
0: The company itself is a mess financially, losing hundreds of millions of dollars on top of the weird controversy over the ads. And about a year ago, the board of
2: directors at American Apparel got tired of this situation and ousted Charney, the CEO we just heard from a minute ago, and replaced him with a longtime fashion executive named Paula Schneider. She's going to play fix it. uh, Clean it. Clean it up. And she talked to courts reporters Max Neeson and Mark Bain about her strategy.
3: I, I took pubic hair off the website. It made it in every national paper. And the reason I did was because I don't want to be sued for that. I want to make sure we're making the right business moves so that we can sell clothes, not body parts. And we also cannot be not put ourselves in line of danger because we don't need to pay any more attorneys.
2: Uh, although we are on a podcast, you can probably tell that I'm not very fashionable. But my colleague, Jenny Evans, who covers fashion, among other things at Quartz, is quite fashionable and even tells clothing labels what they should make. Jenny is here in the studio with us. Jenny, welcome. How are you today?
1: Great. Happy to be here. Thank you great. So Jenny,
2: what went wrong with Dove and American Apparel?
1: I mean, I think a few things throughout its history went wrong. In the beginning, I think they grew very fast. In the first three years after being founded in 2003, they had 150 stores.
0: What does that mean, growing too fast? Like, What's the problem with growing too fast?
1: I think the problem is when you don't get systems in place to protect the people who work there, to make sure that there are organized ways of making decisions, and what it sounds like from Quartz's reporting, Mark Bain interviewed the new CEO last week, that when it came to staffing at the top, there was no balance of power. That everybody sort of reported to Dove Charney, who was maybe something of a dictator and had a great grasp of control over the brand. But as he became sort of more troublesome as a
3: CEO. He brought American Apparel with him.
2: Uh, Let's hear what Paula ran into when she came to American Apparel.
3: Traditional org charts were simply not there. You know, when I was trying to figure out who reported to me, there was probably 60 people that reported directly to Dove. I kept finding out people, Okay, who did you report to? I reported to Dove. And despite
0: the fact that the company fell into shambles financially and all the negative attention that was placed on its ads... This was a remarkable feat, right? I mean, he built the largest clothing manufacturing firm in North America, created a very iconic brand, still inspires a lot of loyalty from people inside and out. That's a thing, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I was always voting for American Apparel to succeed. I think it's a great company. He's admirable as an entrepreneur, as somebody who created a brand out of nothing. He did a lot for workers' rights, particularly immigrants. He absolutely was the company's greatest asset. He created it, but he also became a great liability as it grew. In some ways, they never really recovered from that.
0: And even so, they have, what, $600 million worth of sales every year?
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: So there is like a hope of a turnaround.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I think there is is hope for that. I think the danger of it is that Dove was so much of the brand identity, and if they sort of over-sterilize American Apparel now – you know, they got a lot of press when they, quote unquote, cleaned up the ads. If you think that getting pubic hair and nipples out of ads makes them cleaner, or it wasn't even the ads, it was the website, you know, which some people would say is misleading. It's a sheer pair of underwear and it looks like this person
2: doesn't. <laughs> Truth in advertising. <laughs> we should submit a complaint to the Better Business Bureau. So, so wait, are you, are you uh, against the ad sterilization campaign?
1: It's a tricky question. I think that Part of what made the ads distasteful to some people was just how very natural they looked. And I find that kind of offensive in itself, the idea that if a woman or a male model is airbrushed and looks kind of robotic or vacant, that then somehow their sexuality isn't offensive. But if it looks like somebody who could be somebody that shops at the bodega where you shop, that then it is a little dicey.
0: I mean, wasn't part of the complaint also that these were very, very young models, or at least made to look very, very young, and they were kind of objectified in a certain way.
1: Yes. And some were employees. Some were not professional models. And that's what I mean when I say it depends on sort of which ad you're talking about and, and what the
3: complaint is.
2: Uh, so the new American Apparel CEO, Paula Schneider, uh, actually says she likes 90% of the ads.
3: So, you know, of the, the 90% of the advertising that I really do think was fantastic, if you asked me for an example of the 10%, I would say there was an advertisement there where there was a girl straddled on the bed that said she mixes play with pleasure and her legs are spread. I don't think you need it. I don't think it's relevant to you know, the clothes. And the, the other aspect of it is you know, we're, we're advertising on Facebook for our website, you know, for our e-commerce site, and we were not allowed to get, use any of those ads on Facebook. We kept getting kicked off of Facebook. It's hindering business when it's not really helping it.
2: While American Apparel gets a lot of attention, they are far from the only company that's done a really aggressive sexualized advertising campaign.
1: Not at all. Tom Ford's Gucci in 2002, sometime in the early aughts, it was one model pulling down another model's underpants and there was a G shaved in to the model's pubic hair. Of course that ad ended up being banned. But even in much more subtle ways, most fashion brands are selling some idea of sex. Amber Crombie and Fitch very famously sells a white, middle American brand of sex, you know, with these Bruce Weber photo shoots and golden retrievers and... Football games and wet grass. The word
2: Aryan comes to mind.
1: <laughs> the, the young Aryan nation.
2: And Abercrombie um, and pitched another company that's had controversies in the CEO suite as well, which to get back on track
0: sorry. is what we're talking about,
2: which is this self-destructive genius, right, Sabri?
0: Yeah. This story made me think of a guy I met who... Where'd you meet him? American, was actually, American Apparel store? Yeah. Was in the, yeah, in, in the, the changing room of American, American Apparel. Apparel. <laughs> Um this gentleman named Fred Keel, he is the author of a book called The Return on Character, and he's executive director of KRW Research. He basically did a study of what is the effect of having a jerk or an asshole or just like a weird person who comes off as a jerk or asshole at the top of your company. What is the effect of that? This is what he found.
2: High character leaders brought in nearly five times the return on assets to the bottom line, as did the low-character CEOs in our study.
0: So basically, companies with nice bosses make more money than companies with jerk bosses. And he makes the argument that this is because the people at the tops set the tone for the workplace culture. I'm very curious how
2: he did these experiments and identified people. Did he write them like letters? It was like, hey, you've been identified as
0: an asshole. Will you participate <laughs> in this survey of CEOs? No, what he did was, I mean, he got, basically got agreement with s- several companies. He talked to 100 CEOs, 8,500 people, and he developed a a set of characteristics of what makes, constitutes high character or low character.
2: Telling the truth, keeping promises, owning up to your own mistakes, forgiving people for making well-intentioned mistakes. Sounds like the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. When we say like a jerk boss, there's like a jerk boss who's constantly sexually harassing his workforce. I feel like that's like outside of this character question. That's like a that's like a criminal boss. What we're talking about with a jerk boss is just someone who's like not very nice, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think... still
1: think sexually harassing your workforce falls into the category. <laughs> well, I'm saying it's
2: it's, it's beyond <laughs> it. You're not you're a jerk, sure, but you're you're now like a criminal. Like obviously that's that's bad. Fred was not looking at people who were like criminals when he was doing this research.
0: I guess is my point, or was he? No, he wasn't. But what was interesting was he said criminality is the line that boards draw. They say, as long as you're not a criminal, we want you. You're aggressive and decisive and you take no prisoners and you're a weirdo. But but as long as you don't break the law, then we want that dynamic business character person. He says that's the sort of like trap that companies fall into, thinking they need that person, that That person that they're describing could be an asshole. Just thinking about the kind of problems that we are seeing at American Apparel or
2: uh, at other fashion companies where this has happened. We see it at Abercrombie & Fitch. We see it at this company, Nasty Gal, that just brought in a new CEO to replace their founder who's becoming the chairman. Uh, How do you fix this? How do you go from having a crappy boss and how do you clean up after them like
0: Schneider's trying to do? Well- Keel says you have to get rid of the original boss that's a bad manager. With extreme prejudice. With extreme prejudice. And you basically put new people in charge. Also replace the people that the manager might have hired because a sort of poor character manager will hire an immediate management team that's a lot like them. So you kind of have to clean out and then – let everyone at the company know what is happening, be really honest about what is happening, be transparent, and then listen to the employees, do surveys, figure out where the dysfunction in the organization is, and basically just let the company vent for a few months.
2: It's an experience where senior management gets beat up quite a bit in those kind of sessions. But after a few months of taking that kind of abuse from the workforce, they finally are able to drain off all that anger. And it's a matter of what they've done is they've built
0: trust. And then you can do something about it. The, the other thing that I've actually seen in a lot of startups is... You have the CEO, the sort of creative mind that brings, that, that gives birth to the company. And they're great at giving birth to a company. They're not so great at running it. And so you often see in startups, the CEO step aside, maybe become, go onto the board, and then they bring in a actual new CEO. Well,
1: I think all entrepreneurs go through this. If they really are going to scale their business, at some point, you've got to see it a little bit of control and let people help you.
2: And what's sort of interesting about the American apparel situation is it's probably not an accident, right, Jenny, that Paula Schneider is a female executive being appointed to replace Dove.
1: I'm not sure about that. You don't think so? Um, It's a little upsetting to think about that then it's like a woman that has to come in and clean up the mess. Uh,
2: Well, you're setting me up real good for this segue. Keep going.
1: (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I guess if I were an employee there and I had sort of felt traumatized by the experience of working – for a hyper-sexualized dude, that it might be nice to have a female CEO? I'm not really sure about that. I, I um, wonder
2: if it went through the board's mind when they were looking at candidates probably. for this stuff. But the reason that I am asking you this uh, is that there's research that shows that when you have a company that's in bad shape, the board of directors is more likely than not to bring in a woman CEO to do the fix-it job. And that was actually identified by psychology professors Michelle Ryan and Alexander Haslam of the University of Exeter in Great Britain. They found out that female CEOs were more likely to get fired not because of a performance issue, but because they're more likely to be asked to clean up a failing company. Hmm. And then, so we
1: are. Yeah. OK. <laughs> so we do have to come in and clean up the mess. I, sorry. <laughs> Pretty much like your
2: role on this podcast. Um, and actually, we have Paul <laughs> Schneider who... Um, <laughs> Has, uh, has her thoughts on this, and she thinks it's because women are uh, more effective.
3: I think women are more willing to take a chance because turnarounds don't always work. And I think men are more tied into the ego of making sure that whatever they're doing is going to absolutely work. And, you know, I, I 100% believe this is going to work, and I'm going to work myself very, very hard and relentlessly to make it happen.
2: The research was prompted by the fact that there are so few female CEOs of big American firms, and the big American companies that are run by women are often in trouble. Uh, You can think of uh, Virginia Romady at IBM, uh, Marissa Meyer, who came to Yahoo from Google to save the floundering tech giant. And what these researchers found was it's not just a glass ceiling that women face in the corporate world, it's a glass cliff, because more often than not, they get put in charge of ailing companies and have the deck stacked against them.
0: Why do they get put in charge of ailing companies? Like, Why is it that boards like gravitate towards women to do that? Or is it? They're not sure exactly. But one trend that they point
2: to is that uh, women are more likely to be hired from outside of a company and ailing companies are more likely to hire an outside CEO. And the researchers say that reflects poor um, training and networks for women within companies and a bad job developing female talent, which is no surprise to anyone who knows about the U.S. corporate world.
1: It might also be because after a man drives the company into the ground, they're just looking for something different.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, an anti-Dove probably looks like a woman.
0: Yeah. Sabri, I have here written on my script optional Sabri jerk boss story. Do you want to get into that with us? <laughs> um, yes, with a few details omitted. When I was 20 or something, I worked at this. Farm stand. It was after, right after college, and I had just gotten back from the study abroad in Jordan. And I gave my resume to the dude that was hiring, and he looked at it and he was like, "Huh, you? uh, I see you just got back from Jordan. Uh, Do you have any Islamic ideas that I need to know about?" And I'm like, "Uh, "No. Also, this is a farm stand." And so then he looked at the resume again. He's like, I see your name is Saburi Saburai. Listen, do you have a middle name we could go by? Because, you know, when Miss Smith comes by each morning, to buy her fresh produce, she's going to want to see the face of fair-haired Johnny American. And that's just not your face. So do we have a middle name? And I'm like, uh, No. Oh, we don't, even though I have like three middle names and they're all very American. And what are your three middle names, please? Justin Douglas. <laughs> That's just two. <laughs> That's two. My brother has three. Um, <laughs> and then he hired me. <laughs> Sounds like an all right boss. He hired you. <laughs> anyway, the business got run into the ground. He what would you say the alcohol. return on character <laughs> was for, for this gentleman? Well, the return on character for him was definitely running the business into the ground. So, what have we learned? Sabri Jenny
2: takes a crazy guy to run a company and a crazy guy to destroy it,
1: and even a yeah. crazier woman to come in and clean it up at the end. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jenny Evans, the lifestyle reporter at Quartz, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me, guys.
0: And now for something completely different. At Quartz, we have something called Surprising Discoveries.
2: They are the news items that make you raise your eyebrows. Talking about marketing and sex, we have the latest in from Germany. It is now illegal to sell adult e-books before 10 p.m. so that the kids will not buy erotic literature on the Internet. But the bad kids will be up after 10 p.m. They're going to have to be if they want to get e-books like... uh, I apologize, German speakers, in advance. Schlauchgelüste, uh, which means pantyhose cravings, and
0: is the book at the center of the froufrou that led to the new rules. How does that work across time zones? Like, if someone here, say, wanted to buy obscure German erotica, <laughs> wanted to buy Schurkinfuser, then would they only be able to do into it the like <laughs> four? Like, would they have to abide by the German time schedule? Uh, well, they
2: will if they're purchasing from uh, from German ebook retailers subject to the regulation, but it's a good news for those of us on the East Coast who might have an interest in such things. Uh, between 4 p.m. and midnight is when you'll be able to get your erotica fix.
0: Do you know how you say squirrel in German? I'm sure you'll tell me. Schrackenspiegel. That's actually not true, but it could be. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for listening. <laughs>
2: We are out of time, but if you want to know more about bad bosses... Fake German. If you want to know more about bad bosses, German pornography laws, or anything else happening in the economy today, check out Marketplace.org and QZ.com. And while you're at
0: Quartz, do sign up for our daily brief. It is the perfect way to start your day. And if you have any German words that you'd like to tell us about, or actual feedback on the podcast, which would be better... You can reach out to us on email, mpqz at marketplace.org, or reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at Sabritri. Tim is at Tim Fernholz with a Z. You can also call us and
2: leave us a message on our new voicemail box. That's 802-430-6779, 802-430-MPQZ.
0: We're desperate for attention, so please contact us through any way (laughs) whatsoever. We're we're desperate for
2: content. We want you to leave (laughs) us a message so we can play it on the show. Jake Gorski composed and produced our theme song. Claire Tennesketter is our loyal producer. And our overlords at Marketplace and Ports are our overlords. Peace be upon them. (laughs) You've been listening to Actuality, the Marketplace Sports podcast. We'll be back soon with more stories. See you then.